You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Stephen D. Sullivan and St. Euphoria present Atomic Tales Stories of science, mystery, and excitement This episode features the latest adventure in our fantastic original series Strange Invaders Tonight, we continue our adventures as our heroes investigate a curious fisheries problem off the U.S. Pacific coast in Bugs on Board. Join us now as we present another in our continuing series of Atomic Tales. Look alive, you two. The crab boat's first mate commanded. I don't care what government agency you're from. If you mess up our catch... You'll find yourself swimming home. Agent 8 and I nimbly stepped out of the way as the mate and the rest of the crew of the Dragnet Danny hauled another set of crab pots onto the ship's deck and added a handful of fat crustaceans to their catch. U.S. Science Bureau. 8 reminded our host. The mate squinted at us appraisingly. That's a fisheries thing, right? Too bad you came all this way for such a scrawny catch. <laughs> he laughed bitterly. You want to weigh each of these babies? Not fisheries, I replied. Just looking into the recent fishing boat disappearances. Oh, yeah. The first mate said. Captain Dan mentioned that. Don't know what you expect to find. <laughs> he chuckled again, then added. So maybe a husband for you, uh, miss? Agent 7, I replied coolly. If we knew what we were looking for, Eight interjected, we wouldn't be here. We'd have to call an airstrike. <laughs> he laughed, but his reply made the sailor nervous. You could do that? The gruff seaman asked warily. Only if necessary, I assured him. Or if we end up swimming. He swallowed hard and went back to work with the rest of the crew. Agent 8 shot me a sly, collegial grin. You don't really think that flying saucers are responsible for these fishing boats going missing, do you, Seven? He asked. The two of us resumed scanning the horizon for lights in the sky or anything unusual. I shrugged. Since we don't know what UFOs are at this point, it's hard to tell. But there have been sightings in this area, and four ships have gone missing. Five, if you count that beat-up ghost ship the Coast Guard salvaged. Yeah. I'm just the muscle here, Ruth. Eight continued. You're the science buff. You or the Terragons got any theories? Too early for theories, Bill. We need more facts. I returned his smile. That's why we're here. I'll tell you one fact. He said. Donna is going to kill me when I get back in my clothes soaked with salt and smelling like fish. He gave his slicker a cursory sniff and then held his nose. I chuckled. Things were pretty stinky here. 
Tell Donna to be glad that I talked Agent Zero into letting us wear civilian garb for this job. Just imagine the dry cleaning bill if you'd been in a suit. Gate glanced sideways at me, unsure whether I was serious or not. I let him wonder. Bill's a nice enough guy, and great in a tussle. They don't call him Wild Bill Hayes for nothing. But he's not the sharpest pencil in the box. He and his wife Donna are well suited to each other, both long on looks and short on brains. Having Bill along is better than being stuck with my brother on an assignment, though. I never have to argue with eight, because I outrank him. My brother Richard, on the other hand, is Agent Six, and he never lets me forget it. As the ship cruised along to its next set of pots, Eight and I kept our eyes peeled. Nightfall over the Pacific cast lovely shades of orange and purple across the sky and sea, but it also brought a chill to the air. I buttoned my slicker and started to lick the ocean spray off my lips, but then remembered myself and wiped the moisture away with the back of my sleeve instead. Salt water stings the eyes, and consuming it will make you sick quickly. Better not to even enjoy a bit of its tempting saltiness. I took a swig of fresh water from my canteen and then offered it to Eight. He drank. Not gin? He asked, feigning disappointment. I laughed and clipped the canteen back into my belt. Eight and I needed to stay on our toes. This wasn't a relaxing cruise. Little mistakes on the open ocean can get you killed. Especially at night. Far to the west, I could just make out spotlights from the San Diego airport playing over the low-hanging summer clouds. That wasn't a swim I wanted to make. I hope we see one of these things, Eight said. A flying saucer, I mean. I never have yet. Have you? Hard to say. I've seen some lights, but... I shrugged. Yeah, my wife's been getting into the saucer craze. He went on. You know, that contact tea thing where people said they've talked to the aliens... She thinks that's all real. What do you think, Ruth? I shook my head. Not enough info, but I remain skeptical. Yeah, it seems pretty bad to me. But if it keeps Donna happy and away from the bingo hall. The crew of the Dragnet Danny was hauling in another line now. From the way they were grumbling, they didn't seem too pleased. Their take had been unseasonably light recently. Other local boats had reported a steep fall off and catch too. Those boats that actually returned to port, anyway. A gap-toothed crewman grinned as he pulled on the line. Feels heavy. Maybe we got a good haul this time. Better not just be seaweed, snarled the first mate. Many more days like this and we'll all be looking for landlubber jobs. No, man. I got a feeling about this. This time, I think we got lucky! His scream ended with a sudden splash as he pitched overboard. Everyone on deck ran to where the fishermen had disappeared, but before we reached the spot, all of us skidded to a stop. Up over the ship's rail surged a living nightmare. It looked like a pillbug, segmented and heavily armored with feelers and multiple sharp tined legs. But it was pale as death and as big as one of the agency's Studebakers. It scrambled onto the deck, climbing up the line of the crab pots. What the devil? The ship's mate blurted. He'd been closest to the rail as the giant bug emerged from the sea, but now he backed away fast. Aid and I had already drawn our sidearms, but a crew member with an axe ran into our field of fire. With an angry scream, he hit the thing on its armored carapace. Ah! The axe barely left a scratch, and a swipe of one of the bug's segmented legs sent him sprawling to the deck, bleeding. Aid and I both fired, twice but her shots had little more effect than the axe. As the first mate dragged the injured crewman away and all of us back toward the wheelhouse, a second bug clambered aboard, and then a third. 
What are these things? Agent 8 asked as we retreated. Trilobites? Sea isopods, I replied, but a hundred times larger than any ever reported. Any bright ideas, science girl? Shoot for the antennae. They use them to see. Their eyes are stunted from living in the depths. Take the right on the lead bug. We hit our targets, and the bug at the front of the pack shrieked and flailed aimlessly. Its antennae disabled. The isopods behind it, five more of them now, ran into their thrashing fellow, which delayed the swarm long enough for us and all the crew to reach the wheelhouse. I think we know what happened to those mission ships now. Eight noted as we secured the door behind us. What are those things? The first mate asked, terrified. Apparently, Captain Dan and several other fishermen had been injured on the other parts of the ship by invading bugs before scrambling to safety. A couple of the crewmen looked like they might not make it. Freaks of nature, I replied. Well, I don't think this wheelhouse will keep him out very long, Seven. Agent Eight warned. I hoped the others didn't notice that his gun hand was trembling and mine was too. My eyes darted frantically around the cabin searching for some solution. I'm working on it. The huge isopods chittered with excitement as they surrounded the wheelhouse. Their hundreds of jointed legs scrabbled at the hull, trying to find purchase to force their way inside. Did you government tops know these things were here? The mate demanded angrily. If we did, do you think we would come in a fishing boat instead of the U.S. Navy? Eight snapped back. The hideous face of one of the monsters pressed up against the windshield, its segmented mouth parts snapping. That glass was built for storms. But I didn't think it would last long. The steel hull might not either. Eureka! I shouted. Get everyone up on the seats and wooden benches away from the metal walls! I used a handy fire axe to rip open one of the cabin's panels, revealing the ship's main power line. I got on a wooden chair, improvised some insulation for my hands out of my slicker, and hacked through the big cable. Nobody touch the hull! The front window of the ship caved in, and a truck-sized isopod stuck its ugly head inside. They're coming in! He cried, emptying his clip into the invading bug. I snagged the sputtering cable with the axe head and shoved the power line against the nearby bulkhead. The isopod shrieked as sparks flew, and everywhere they touched, the steel hull lit up electric blue. A sound like a thunderclap shook the entire ship. And for a moment, everything went white. Then silence fell like a shroud over the dragnet Danny. When all our eyes cleared, the ship looked like it had been through a hurricane. But the bugs were gone. We patched up the electricals, restarted the engine, and limped back toward San Diego at the best speed we could muster. As the crew tended to their injured, Aid and I stood guard at the ship's rail. So what do you think caused those things? Toxic dumping? Radiation? UFOs? Aid asked. Maybe the Terragons will have some theory, I replied, shaking my head. One thing's for sure, though. They're not going to like that the bugs have reached the West Coast. Well, I don't much like it either. Nor do I, I agreed, settling in for what might be a long, stressful night watch. Agent 8 sighed. Well, one good thing, at least Agent 7. What's that? He chuckled. (laughs) At least we didn't have to call an airstrike. Yes, this is 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Won't you step inside? What do you mean, what kind of a place is it? It's anything you want it to be. And it's streaming on the Fantasy Network in TFN Audio. The Fantasy Network. Creator distributed. Fan supported.
This has been an original story of Strange Invaders, part of our ongoing series of Atomic Tales. Brought to you by St. Euphoria Productions and the Monster Conservancy. Tonight's episode, Bugs on Board, was written by Stephen D. Sullivan. It was produced, edited, and read by Christopher R. Mim and featured Stephanie Mim as Agent 7, Ruthless Ruth Donlevy, Joe George as Agent 8, Wild Bill, Michael Kaiser as the first mate of the Dragnet Danny, and Elliot Mim as the Doomed Fisherman. Please support the films of Christopher R. Mim at SaintEuphoria.com and the work of Stephen D. Sullivan via his Patreon at PaySteve.com. All elements of this episode are copyright 2021 by their creators and may not be reproduced or reused without permission. Atomic Tales and Strange Invaders are trademarks of Stephen D. Sullivan, all rights reserved. Join the conversation at SaveMonsters.com. This is the St. Euphoria Audiocast Network.